Well, good morning, church. How are we doing so far today? All right. We're so glad that y'all are here. My name is Grace Marie Ward. I'm the worship arts director, and I'm so grateful to be bringing the word this morning as we dive into God's word together and we continue this incredible series. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter four. That's where we're going to camp out today. But before we kind of jump into that, I want to tell you a story about something that happened to me when I was in college. It was my senior year of college. I was in college here in Columbia at CIU, and it was time for Christmas break. And I was so relieved because I get to go home for Christmas break, eat some, eat some good food, because I was not excelling at that area in my life, being out on my own. So I get in my car, and I crank it up after I packed it up, and all of a sudden the check engine light comes on. And I thought, oh, that's no big deal. And the reason it wasn't a big deal to me is because I had ignored the check engine light for the entire semester already, and there hadn't been an issue so far, so I was like, oh, it's fine. So I make my way home, the check engine light on, not a big deal. I spent a couple weeks at home with my family and friends, riding around town in Florence, the check engine light was on, didn't pay any attention to it. My dad's on the front row laughing because he remembers the story, and I remember it was time to go back to Columbia. So I packed up, tranked the car, check engine light was on. I'm like, I've been fine the whole time. So I start making my way to Columbia. About three-fourths of the way there, um, the, the check engine light was on, but all of a sudden, I started to hear some, some noises. You know, and I was like, mm, that's probably not good. The noises aren't a good sign, but you know what? I'm only like 30 minutes away. I'm going to keep going. A few minutes later, I start to get the car that started giving this jerking feeling. And then I'm like, well, this actually feels a little bit dangerous, so maybe I should try to find somewhere to pull over. And before I was able to do that, all of a sudden, smoke begins to pour out of the hood. Then I'm in pure panic mode, and I pull off on the shoulder, and I was stranded. The car had gone kaput, okay? Now, I got a tow truck, went to the house. They got me there. In a couple days, my dad came up to Columbia to check out the situation. And what he found was that I had completely blown the engine because I had not changed the oil for months and months and months, and I had completely been ignoring the warning signs that had been coming my way. And he didn't understand this because he was a mechanic, and he doesn't understand why I was being alerted this whole time, and I'm absolutely not paying attention. Now, I highly doubt, and I hope, even though someone in the first service came to me and said this happened to them. I highly doubt that not, not many of you have experienced your engine blowing like that on the interstate. However, all of us have experienced something similar to that when it comes to our emotions. When it comes to the things that we're feeling on the inside that we're not paying attention to, that we're trying to push down, and if ignored or if not dealt with, it will cause a serious emotional blow up. When we try to keep things below the surface, we will find ourselves in trouble. Now, we all know that our emotional life has a really, really wide range, right? We can be angry. We can be happy. We can be disappointed. We can be anxious. We can be sad. And it doesn't make that feeling actually good or bad because it's God and his good design that has created us that way. He's created us to experience emotion. And the Bible isn't going to tell you you should feel this or you shouldn't feel this, but what it will do is it will guide us in wisdom and how we can be led when it comes to our emotional life. It can guide us in wisdom. You see, emotions are neither good nor bad. Rather, they are often indicators of what we need to pay attention to 
in our life. They are indicators of what we need to probably pay attention to because emotions are there to connect us. Connect us with ourselves, connect us with others, connect us with God, and connect us with the world around us. There are some natural ways that we experience indicators in our lives of what we need to pay attention to. And I think of it in kind of three simple, simple categories is, is one way we could do it is a, what puts a smile on your face, what puts tears in your eyes, and what puts fire in your bones, okay? So I'm gonna let you think about this just to yourself. Think to yourself, what's something recently that put a smile on your face? It was an emotion that you experienced and it indicated something and you physically had a response. Think about something that put a smile on your face. One of the things that I'll share is that one of my nieces came to me recently when she visited and she walked in the door and handed me this piece of paper. It's gonna go on the screen and it says, I love you, Grace Marie, because you make me happy. That put a smile on my face. And guess where this lives? Right beside my bed. I see it every day. Things that put a smile on our face, they're indicating something that we're connecting with deep down. How about something recently that has put tears in your eyes? Something that was happening inside, but it put tears in your eyes. For me, it was this past week when I watched the movie, The Hill, an incredible movie about this baseball player and he was crippled when he was younger and his dad was a preacher and he did not want him to play baseball. No, I don't want you to play baseball. Don't do it, don't do it. That's not what God wants from your life. But the boy loved baseball and he kept playing and he became this kind of town sensation. And he would get better and better and better and to the point where he was gonna be trying out for the major leagues and all these people came to watch him play. His dad never, I refuse, I refuse. And all of a sudden the dad's like, oh my goodness, I've missed my son playing baseball. And so he leaves the church, he rushes to the baseball field. The boy had just hit this home run. He's coming around the field and he makes eye contact with his dad, watching him play for the very first time. There's tears in the dad's eyes. There's tears in the boy's eyes. There's tears in my eyes as I'm watching the computer screen. Something happened on the inside. How about something that recently put fire in your bones? Now, if you're wired like me, I get fire in my bones a lot of times. Jeff says, calm down. Think about something that put fire in your bones, something you got really amped up about, maybe even angry or frustrated about. For me, I tend to get fire in my bones quickly when I feel like someone I love or care about is slandered in any way or something is said about their character or who they are. All of a sudden, I feel this thing rising up within me. I go to protect that person. Should I say something? Should I not say something? Should I address it? But I need to pay attention to why do I feel that way? What is actually happening? The reality is that all of our emotions are connecting us to something deeper. And let's not miss this. God designed it that way. He designed it that way, and we need to pay attention. We're in a series, like Pastor Jeff said, called Holy Living. Holy Living. And the whole point of this series is to realize that the life that we see that God lays out for us in his word is not this life with all these different compartments that we're just separating. No, it's that our spiritual life, our relational life, our emotional life, our physical life, what we do with our bodies, all those things are designed by God to work together. 
So this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna just, we're just gonna dip our toe into this vast ocean of talking about emotions in our emotional life, our internal world that will greatly affect our external wor- world each and every day. Now, some of you are ready, notes, paper, Bible's open, you got your box of tissues, you're ready to cry on cue this morning. I, I see you people, but some of you are probably like, You lost me at tears, Grace Marie. When you said something about tears, I don't cry, I'm not emotional. But I will say this, it's really important that we pay attention to what we're gonna talk about this morning because I think there's so much wisdom in what God offers us today. So we're gonna look at a scripture passage together in Philippians as we look for the wisdom of God and how to approach, um, just one way how we can approach our uh, life when it comes to spiritual matters, but when connected to our emotions. So Philippians 4, verse 6, you can read along with me in your Bible. It's also on the screen. It says this, don't worry about anything. It's a high call. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It may seem like the most simple and basic thing when it comes to discovering our emotional life, but the most basic thing is invite God into the process. Simply invite God into the process of what is actually going on inside of you. It can be very complicated. It can be very messy, but I believe that's the first step. What are you actually feeling? And invite him into that process. We have to be able to admit to God and be vulnerable with God. Admit to God what you're feeling. The scripture says, tell him what you need. And then give him access to your heart and to your mind for him to shape us to be the people he's called us to be. And when I even say the phrase, invite God into the process, what I'm saying is, hey, we need some sort of process, right? We don't just live our life and just ignore things that are going on. We have to have some sort of way to deal with what's going on in the inside. And We're pretty good at the easier emotions, but when it comes to the uncomfortable things, we tend to just want to shy away from them and ignore them and push them down. Something that I love to do, and I bet there's a lot of people in the room, I'm gonna ask you in a minute. I love to take a personality test. My my staff team here is like, how many personality tests are we gonna take as a team? I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I wanna figure out how I tick, why I tick, what's going on with me, and how everybody on my team works. So just to get a kind of feel for everybody in the room this morning, let me do a little survey here. How many of you have taken the Myers-Briggs? Okay, we got a few of you. That's a really popular one. All right, how many of you have taken uh, Strength Finders? It's a pretty popular one too. How about the DISC? All right. I took that one recently for for a class I'm in, and I thought that was interesting. This one's really a lot more vague. How about People Map? All right, the staff team just did that, so there's a few of us in the room on staff that uh, that did that. And how about the very hot and trendy Enneagram? Anybody? Oh, I thought we were gonna whoop from the back, but we didn't, okay. We got an Enneagram coach on our, uh, in our church, I know that. The Enneagram is really interesting, but all of these personality tests, they, they're really designed, they're helpful tools to help you grow in self-awareness. Why am I the way I am? What's actually really going on in my internal world? Why do I feel the way that I do about things? I I took the Enneagram for the first time, I believe it was about 10 years ago, and I went to a leadership uh, kind of camp development thing in Atlanta, 
And they brought like this specialized counselor in and they gave us this test. It was about 30 of us. We're gonna dive deep, you know, and they're giving us these packets and they were like, we're gonna, after you take the test, you can take your packet and go process it and, you know, just process, process what's going on. I'm like, my goodness, like how intense is this gonna be? I get my packet back and I am honest with you. I'm not much of a crier. I'm like weeping. I'm like devastated because the results of the Enneagram, I was like, I did not know that I did that. I didn't know that when I felt that way that I tend to act out in this way. And even though the Enneagram, and I'm an Enneagram eight, if you don't, if you don't know anything about that, that's called the challenger. And my staff team says, amen, yes, you are. But if, you're, if, if you do the Enneagram, it'll teach you things that you're strong in, okay? Like these are really great things. That you could be a great leader. It gave me all those things. But all I could see was the potential downfalls and the potential pitfalls. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my goodness. But here's what this test did for me. It basically said, if you don't pay attention to your internal world, if you don't pay attention to the things that are going on below the surface, you're gonna get in trouble and you will act out in this way. And what this did for me, it was a holy work because it set me on a path to say, okay, God, I want, I want you to help me understand why I am the way I am so I can be all you've designed me to be. And it put me on that path. We don't just stop with, oh, well, that makes sense. Now I have an excuse for my behavior. No, we invite God into the process. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I love this verse. And I think it's a really great verse for our series as a whole. And this is what it says, verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Notice a few words that it says. It says the God of peace. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. It says, make you holy, a work that only God himself can do. And may your whole, I love it, your whole spirit, your soul, your body be kept blameless till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the King James Version translates some of that phrasing this way. It says, sanctify you holy. Sanctify you holy. So track with me here. This is what the scripture is saying to us. It's saying that God wants to make you holy, holy. If you're taking notes, I think that's worth writing down. God wants to make you holy, holy. He wants access to all of your life, the messy parts, the confusing parts, the complicated emotions, the ones that are sending you constant flashing lights that you wanna ignore, guess what? He wants access to that too. He wants you to pay attention and what it's telling you is if you don't deal with the things that are going on inside of you, disaster may lie ahead. Holy, holy, that holiness may extend through every part of our being to reflect the God who made us. You see, Christians talk a lot about how to be healthy and too little about how to be holy. If I had time, I would just camp out and do a whole nother message just on that right now. But it is so true. And being healthy is a good thing. It, it, it's a desire that we should have. 
But there's far too little talk in the Christian community today about how to be holy, about how to honor God with all that we are, with our body, with our mind, with our soul, with our strength, to really honor the God who has made us to be what he has called us to be. That's what should be coming out of the Christian's mouth more, how to be healthy, whole, and holy, because it's a work that only God can do. We cannot do this on our own. If, if you've gotten up really early in some of the recent mornings that we've had when it's really cold, you get out there and it's super cold, so your windshield's frozen over. I mean, we all have experienced this, even in South Carolina. And I remember one day this past uh, week, I think it was last weekend when it was 17, got up to go to the gym, holler. And... It was early when windshield was frozen over and I'm one of those people, I'm not gonna get out and scrape it. I'm just not gonna do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm blasting the defrost. I got the heat on, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I'm telling you, right time, the smallest circle opens up. I'm like, skirt, it's go time. I'm like on the road. And I was navigating my neighborhood. I kid you not, I'm navigating my neighborhood through this small hole, I almost hit the trash can that someone had out on the side. And once I realized that, I pulled off to the left and then I rolled the window down and I'm like, oh, there's a car. Like, it was just dangerous. I'm like, what am I doing? Dad, I'm sorry. It's dangerous out there. But here's the thing. This is how some of us are navigating our lives. This is how some of us are navigating the roads of life, our friendships, our marriages, our jobs, our neighbors, and we can be totally oblivious to the ways that we may be harming other people. We should want more clarity from God. We should want the wisdom of God that he offers in his word to live every day. We should want a clearer picture of who we are to live a life more connected to him, to other people, and to ourselves. And when we're not paying attention to that, we can harm people. A great quote that I read recently is this, if you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. If you don't heal what hurt you, hey, we all have hurts in life. This life is not easy. We all have hurts and we all have emotional hurts. Whether it's, I don't want to belittle it, whether it's things from our past that we've done, that people have done to us, baggage, family system stuff, it's very messy. But if you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. How many marriages could have been healed if they'd have taken serious what was actually starting to happen inside? How many friendships, relationships could have been restored? Substance abuse possibly even bypassed if someone would have taken the time to take this serious. Because we often get the results, and I know you're gonna resonate with this, many people, you often get the results of someone else not dealing with their hurt. It's the classic phrase, hurt people hurt people. We often get the results of other people not dealing with their hurt, and guess what, the impact is great. And the wake of that continues and what I wanna pray for this morning is for people to be willing to invite God in the process to break that chain because that's what God is offering to us. It's a transforming work when we invite God in. It's a holy work. It's a necessary work in the Christian life. It's a spiritual and it's a sacred work. 
to invite God into that process. The passage goes on and it says this in the very next verse. It says, then, notice the word then. It comes after once we've taken things to the Lord and given it over to him. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. We can experience the incomprehensible peace of God. The incomprehensible peace of God. And let's be honest, peace, peace is what we're looking for anyways. It's the thing that everybody is really chasing after. It's the most popular answer in beauty pageants when asked, what do you want for the world? World peace. Nikki Haley says, amen. <laughs> for everything to align, for everything to work together just like it was intended to from the creator God, for no friction, no tension, peace within and peace without. That's the peace that God offers throughout his word that he's talking about. In the ancient times, the Hebrew culture would use a beautiful word. It was the word shalom. Say that with me, shalom. Shalom is an understanding of peace that is an all-encompassing peace. An all-encompassing peace that means complete wholeness, complete well-being, a peace that extends to everything. A peace that extends to everything. And we long for this peace. And a lot of times we'll try to convince ourselves that we're only gonna get this peace if our circumstances change, right? A lot of times we try to convince ourselves, oh, if only so-and-so would go away. Oh, if this person would go away, I could have some peace of mind. Or we convince ourselves that if, if so-and-so would just get their junk together at work, don't say a name. I see some of y'all saying a name. Uh-uh. If so-and-so would just get their junk together, then I could have some peace of mind. Or maybe yours goes a little bit deeper than that. Maybe you are thinking, oh, man, if that just wouldn't have happened to me. If this person wouldn't have hurt me, if this person wouldn't have allowed that situation to bleed over into my life, maybe I could experience some peace in my life. But friends, the scripture offers us a different way and a different promise. Because the scripture tells us that real peace isn't the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Real peace isn't the absence of something. For all these things to go away, it's rather the very presence of God himself in our life. And some of the most spiritually and emotionally mature people I know have a real peace of heart and mind. And it shows on the outside, right? You know people like this. It shows on the outside of their life. And it's not because of a lack of adversity or trials or difficult people or circumstances. It's not because of a lack of these things, but I believe they are experiencing a peace in spite of those things that cannot be explained because they have decided to invite God into their lives. They've decided boldly to invite God into the process of all of their healing, and they've decided to invite God into the process of 
all of their healing so they can confidently say, come what may. That's someone who can experience the peace of God no matter what they face this side of heaven, no matter what they face in this world. And I know people, and I'm sure you know people who are looking for this peace every single day. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places and they, and they keep saying things like, why don't I have any peace? Why don't I have any joy? Why don't I have any purpose? Why am I floundering in all these areas of my life? Might it be that they are disconnected to the very God who has created them? And while the warning lights may be going off in their life, they continue to ignore it and they're headed for disaster. But deep down, the cry of their heart is, I was made for more than this. And we, as Christians, believe that nothing can satisfy but God himself. It's a dangerous thing that we see, and I'm sure you've seen in families or friendships or workplaces all around us. It's a dangerous thing when someone doesn't deal with what's going on on the inside and they try to numb their pain, right? Because that's when people get into trouble with substance abuse or addictions of multiple, multiple ways. They're like, ooh, I don't like that feeling. Ooh, I don't, I don't like that that just came up in my heart. Ooh, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't wanna deal with that either, though. I don't wanna tell anybody that I'm dealing with that, and I certainly don't wanna take it before the Lord, though he knows all things. So I'm just gonna push that down. I'll do whatever I can to numb the pain that I'm experiencing. And all the while, they're really longing for a peace with God, a peace with others, and a peace within themselves that only God can bring. The passage goes on and it says this, the second part of verse seven, it says that his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard over your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, we have to trust God to guard your heart and mind. We have to trust it over to him and to his peace and to his ways. I love the visual in that verse. The word guard there in the original language is a military term. It's literally to guard over, to protect. So you can imagine the visual with that. I don't know if you've ever been guarded over before. A few years ago, I visited a country that was somewhat hostile towards the Christian faith. And as I was with this group of people, we were going to a worship service. And as we're going into this worship service, the church on the outside was surrounded by armed military. It was a very unsettling feeling for me. I'm like, this is weird. We're going into a church. There's literally people with guns. Like, this is very unsettling. But here's the reality. Because of the threat that there was towards us worshiping in, the, in this church that we were gathering in, I felt protected. I felt at peace. I felt guarded over. This verse says that the peace of God wants to be on guard over your heart and over your mind. Here's what I know. Our hearts and minds need protecting, amen? Our hearts and minds need protecting. They need guarding and they can be so fragile and so affected by external circumstances, hurtful words that will just pierce to the heart, as the common phrase is said. 
with all the chaos that this world has to offer in the modern age, we're too often susceptible to the things out there that are meant to harm us emotionally. All it takes is a simple stroll through social media and you feel wounded. I mean, people actually begin to question their worth when they spend time on some of these social media platforms because they're like, my life doesn't look like that. What am I doing wrong? I'm not happy like that. And we'll begin to question the very worth that we have as being made in the image of God. We question things when we watch the news and we feel the chaos in the world. We're like, what is happening, God? What is happening around us? We need to be protected, our hearts and our minds. But guess what? Guess what is a terrible guard over our hearts and minds? Our emotions, our feelings. Our feelings are great. Our emotions are great. They're designed by God to be felt, not fixed, but they have no business being put in charge over your life. They have no business being put in charge over your life. If they are managing how you make your daily decisions, you are in for some trouble and so are the people in your life. If your emotions or your feelings have been put on guard over your mind, over your heart, and that's how you're navigating the roads of life and all the complicated things, you are in for a wild ride. You are in for a wild ride. Deborah Rosman, the author, says it this way. says, if you don't manage your emotions, your emotions will manage you. If you don't manage your emotions, your emotions will manage you. Now, some of you, even listening to this, you're like, this is complicated. I don't even know how to start this process. I don't even know where to begin with something like this. And, and I will admit it, it is a, it's a difficult subject to, to try to dive into, but I think it's worth it. And the reason I think it's worth it is because God has designed us to live in such a way where we can be connected to the world around us, that we can live on purpose that we can prevent the disaster that may lie ahead when we experience the healing of God, when we experience the wholeness that can from, come from the Spirit of God at work in our lives, when we lay before God and say, God, I cannot do this on my own, this thing that happened to me or this thing that I'm struggling with, I need to own it and I need your healing and I need you to help me move forward in faith. We cannot do that on our own. It's a holy work. And we see the person who did it best at the end of this verse when it says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus because Jesus managed his emotions. He was not some flatline emotional person. He managed all the complexity of it. If you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see all these different ways that he managed his emotions. But guess what he did? He lived under the wisdom of the Father. He lived under the wisdom of the Father so he could speak about his joy in pleasing the Father. He could speak and, and, and connect with his compassion for lost souls. His anger towards religious leaders in the temple when he cleaned the house with a handmade whip. His sorrow when he came to the tomb of his friend Lazarus and he wept. You see, Jesus was connected to his emotional life, but it was done under the wisdom 
of the Father, God. Pastor Jeff said something powerful this past week in sermon prep as we were kind of all diving into this topic and we were talking about Jesus and what he did on the cross and he said this I thought was so powerful. He talking about Jesus on the cross, he said Jesus took his pain straight. I was like, ooh, I'm writing that down. Jesus took his pain straight and even when he was offered something from the guards to drink to numb what he was experiencing, he felt it all and he refused to take that. He took his pain straight. He felt every sin. He felt the weight of the world. He felt the brokenness for you, for me, and for all of humanity. Jesus took his pain straight. Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Maybe some of you this morning need to hear that, that there needs to be a joy set before you, even though the things you're experiencing in this world feel like suffering and pain, that there can be a joy because fully God will make all things whole and new again. Amen. This morning, I just want us to, to bow our heads and I wanna ask each person this question. I know there's lots of different things we could go down, but I want you just to consider this this morning. What might you need to pay attention to right now in your life? What might you need to pay attention to right now in your life? Maybe things that are below the surface that you've been ignoring. Maybe things below the surface that Hey, you need to pay attention to this. It, it, could, it could open you up to something incredible. A lot of times Christians wanna push down even the good feelings. Guess what? No, God wants you to experience all the good things in this life as well under his wisdom. Don't push those things down either. What might you need to pay attention to in your life right now that could help you be more connected to God, help you be more connected to people, help you be more connected to yourself? Maybe this morning you can just in the quietness of your seat invite God into the process. Maybe you've never taken that step. Invite God into the process of your wholeness and your healing. And maybe for you that looks like getting a mentor and talking things through. Maybe that looks like going to a doctor or a therapist and getting the help that you need because all of that can fall under the wisdom of God to take those steps. We wanna trust our heart and our mind over to the God of peace who longs to bring shalom and incomprehensible understanding of this in our lives and to the lives of people around us. And may we be an extension of that. And this morning, we're gonna do a closing song together that is one of my favorite songs. And I don't want us to rush out of this place. I want us to we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing it with all of our heart, but it comes from this verse, uh, the reason I wanna do this, and we read it already in verse six when it says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. You know, the greatest psychologists say that gratitude is one of the strongest emotions that we can experience. 
that people who choose gratitude in the face of suffering have an incomprehensible joy. People who can express gratitude even when their circumstances around them feel crazy are able to set their minds and hearts on something different. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to spend time thanking God for who he is. And I want us to connect with what God is doing inside of us as we sing out in worship to his name. Let me pray for us. God, we are grateful that you are the God of heaven and earth, that you've invited us into a life of wholeness, that you want to sanctify us holy, that you want to make us holy, holy, that you know every part of who we are. And I pray that we would be people who live under your rule and reign, that we would believe that we are deeply loved and deeply known. And may we choose to live deeply connected to this world that you've made. So we ask for the people in the room who are dealing with things that are very dark or difficult or anxieties that just are multi-layered, Lord. I just pray that the peace that only you offer would pour over them in this place. And I pray as your people today that we would respond with joy, with gratitude as we worship who you are in spite of the things that we feel around us. It's in the holy and powerful name of Jesus that we pray.